0: Well, good morning church family. I am Nathan Price. I serve as one of the pastors here at First Baptist Church, if I don't know you. Love to get to know you. Uh, and today I'm getting to preach a series for the next few weeks called Kingdom Families. And it's something that I hold dear and dear to my heart as I try to do this with my own family. And from God's Word, we have a design for that, and we're going to talk about some of that today. So <clears throat> the t- sermon today is titled Raising Kingdom Kids, and we have some outlines. I don't know if you've got one coming in. There's some right back there, if you need one, or it's going to be on the screen, you can follow along, but it's called Raising Kingdom Kids, Ephesians 6, verses 1 through 4, so, and it really relates to all of us in here, why? Because we all have been born, okay? And being born means you're a part of God's design, and you're here, right? And everyone fits in one of these, in, in a category, so I think this text is applicable for everyone, no matter if you're in a different role now as grandfather, grandparent, aunt, uncle, you name it, you have influence on kids in the next generation, this is from you. And I think the family uh, is in crisis right now. Uh, we shouldn't be surprised by this, though, because what happened? When God established a family, Satan came and deceived it. And sin came into the world because of that. And because of that, we still fight that today. And we shouldn't be surprised that uh, we're still at risk with this because Satan's still at work. So I, some of you guys, I'm going to give you some statistics here that... Maybe you don't know, but you probably should know, that half of all high schoolers will, are going to try drugs. And the suicide rate has risen, between 15 and 19-year-olds, has risen 400% over the last decade. So what does that mean? That means every 30 seconds in America, a teen tries to commit suicide. And guys, this people believe in the next generation, we just can't have this happen. Who's going to take the church on? Who's going to carry the mission forward? Who's gonna, who, we, we, we need to do something about it. And I think it starts with understanding our roles that God's designed for us. The LA Times did a study on crime and teenage pregnancy, but the results wasn't what they thought was going to happen. wasn't to do with the race or where you grew up from, but the family structure. It showed that crime and prevention, if it had a nuclear household of a husband and a wife, that was in the household, it was down like 60% in areas. What does that tell us? That family values matter. And dads, if we go to this text in Ephesians 6 here, as a dad, there's a lot on our shoulders. And God's given us this. And we must practice fatherhood. Real fatherhood is hard. And the sad thing is most fathers have no idea actually what it is. And single parents and moms, thank you for doing the job of both sometimes. I don't know how you guys do it, uh, but you lead and love your family better than dads that are present or even not there. And sometimes actually better. Also, one in four fathers are living apart from their children. And some families operate like a single-parent home, even though there's two people there. One doesn't really exist. They just come to go through the motions, and it's a real problem today. So what do we do? I think we lean on God and His Word and understand what His roles that He designed for us. And I got this whole intro here from Ligon Duncan, a pastor. He says this, The Duke of Windsor once quipped, The thing that impresses me most about America is the way that parents obey their children. Lincoln here tells a story now. A mother of a rather precarious 14-year-old daughter called to tell him, talking about Pastor Duncan here, her daughter was giving her fits about coming to church. The father was not involved or active, but the mother was very concerned because the girl was going to a church that that the mother did not approve of. The mom said to Pastor Duncan, what do I do? He said, let me ask you a few questions. Let's see. She's 14 and she's not driving, right? Yes. Now, how is she getting to this church? Well, I mean, the mother said, I'm taking her. He said, okay, well, here's an idea about how you could get her not to do that and come to church with you. Don't take her there. And the mom's response was, I can do that. And the biblical response is, yes, of course you can do that. Why? Because you are the parent and God has designed you an order, especially in Christian families. But lots of times, parents, we, we don't we obey our children more than allowing our children to obey us. Why? I, I think we listen to more of the world. And what it says, what? It says what? Parents, cater to your child's every whim. and don't do anything to stifle his self, their self-esteem or warp, warp their fragile personality. And somewhere we get so politically correct that we forgot about what our responsibility is, as parents. Right, I'm your parent and God, guess what, holds me accountable for you and your spiritual well-being. So what should we do with our roles? We should be accountable parents and kids because we both play a role in it. And I also think being in student ministry for almost 10 years total now that I don't think we expect much from teenagers like rebellion is just a normal experience, even in Christian homes. And I've been a part of more than I would like to say it amidst situations where teens have rebelled and failed miserably, and sometimes seriously, and the parents just shrug it off as it's just normal. But that's just the thing, it's not normal. It's a worldly idea, but not a godly one. Dr. Howard Hendricks tells us of an evening when he and his wife received a phone call from their daughter, who was a freshman in a Christian college. In a tearful, almost frantic voice, she said, Mom, Dad, I love you, I love you. They replied, We love you too, honey, what's wrong? As it turned out, one of her professors had been lecturing on teenage rebellion against parental authority and had made it sound as if a child wasn't normal if he or she didn't rebel at some point. The Hendricks' daughter had not rebelled and didn't want to rebel. She just thought something must be wrong with her. But here it is, guys, raising kids Is it for wimps? Like the quote at the top of your thing that my friends wrote, a book they wrote on. And speaking of that, if you want that book, I would highly recommend it to anyone. It's called Full Circle Circle Parenting. I can get it. Also, I got some books at the back at the bookstall here for parents that are free. Uh, The Full Circle Parenting book costs a little bit, but the books in the back here are free. There's gender, a bunch of different issues to deal with. Parents are free. They're right back here. It'll be very helpful for you in moving forward, I can promise you. So raising kids isn't for wimps, right? But I think here in Ephesians 6, we get an outline of what we can do to start, a way to start. And look at, look at the text there. Ephesians 6, 1 through 4, it's also going to be on the screen behind me. It says what? you probably heard this before. You might even tell it to your kids every day. <laughs> We're going to talk about it today. It says, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise. That it may go well with you and you may live long in the land. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Pray with me. Dear Jesus, I pray we make much of you today. I pray your word speaks. I pray your spirit continues to move through us and through our church. And God, I pray we just understand our roles better from your word. I pray all this in your name. Amen. So diving right in there, the first point there. Raising raising kingdom kids requires obedience. And guess what, kids? You're supposed to obey your parents. Why? Because the text says it's good to do that, right? It helps the family to be functional for you guys to obey. Because you know what dysfunctional looks like. So that's actually, if you know what dysfunctional looks like, you know there has to be a functional way to go about something, right? And we seem to know always what dysfunctional is. But God designed families with a hierarchy in place. Mother and father, right, rule the family. And you guys obey them. Why? Because God gave you parents to obey. And guys, I know some of this brings up, stirs up some things maybe in you that, well, your parents got things wrong. And I'm sorry for that. That's not the way God designed it, but you have a heavenly Father that loves you more than they could even imagine. So, what does that mean? We have to be functional. How do we be functional? By trying, children trying to obey your parents. We just talked about this in Sunday school. So, parents, I know... And for everybody who's in Sunday school, I know their parents. And I think you guys are doing a pretty good job. So hang in there and keep plugging away at it, okay? I've told your kids this earlier. Because here's the thing. There's a time that one day, hopefully, you're teaching your kids to think on their own and think for themselves when they will leave your nest. And they'll go out and be a part of the world. And I hope you're, pre- I hope you're prepared for that. It's coming a lot faster than I realize now that I have an 8-year-old. It seems like yesterday I was graduating high school and I'll be 40 next year. It's wild how all this happens, and you guys could relate to that. But here's the thing. Raising kingdom quiz requires obedience for the, for the parent to listen to what God's proven to them, bringing them to church, being obedient, but also to the kids to listen. Right? Because guess what? Kids are born disobedient. Is that hard to hear? It's true, though. Did you ever teach your kids to disobey you? No. They willfully did that on their own. I know this because I raised four. <laughs> and I know they're very complex. And this is something another thing that I learned. I didn't, I didn't know what I did. I'm starting now at 38. I'll be 39 in a few weeks to know what I don't know. <laughs> I'm starting to learn that finally. Almost 40. And I, and I literally said that, because I grew up an only child, okay? Because perfection looks like this. Not really, but... But besides that, my mom was back there too, so shout out mom. But here's the thing. I literally told Elizabeth that my kids wouldn't argue and fight and fuss. Because I didn't do that. I didn't have anybody do that. And boy, was I ever wrong. It's It's been a very humbling thing to be a parent. I can tell you guys can understand that. But see... But, It requires obedience, what, but why? Because it also benefits the kids for them to be obedient to the parents. And guess what? If you're obedient to your parents, it also glorifies God. The text even says that. What's it saying? Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Man, pretty, pretty, right? Because why? Because God designed the family in a certain way. And submission here is okay. Obey your parents, why? Because it pleases God. Because here it is, teenagers. I told you this earlier. You don't know what you don't know yet. And I'm just now starting to learn some of that at almost 40. Because here it is. Experience is a helpful tool, especially when it comes to living life and has God designed it. So that means you can lean on your grandparents as well. I'm directly shaped by my grandparents for the good, the bad, and the ugly, okay? All of that. They shape me in some great ways, especially my grandmothers. So here it is because it's a benefit to you. Why? Because parents and grandparents and whoever... Guess what you're called to do? To nurture your kids. What's nurturing mean? Being there. Showing up. Being available. To have the hard conversations. The stuff that's uncomfortable. But also, kids, if you live at your house rent-free, you should obey them just because of that. Because here it is. Your parents are responsible for your well-being and they have authority over you placed by God himself. But also, if you obey your parents, it also helps you understand how to obey God better and what he's designed you to be. It's it's interesting if you look at, as Paul writes the book of Ephesians, if you look at the book of Colossians, how much it mirrors Ephesians. He's writing to a church in Ephesus, he's writing to a church in Colossians, and guess what? He says, this is what he says in Colossians 3:20. Children obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Why? Because it pleases the Lord. What's that mean? You get to understand more of who God is. You get to understand what the gospel is. And what is the gospel? That Jesus what? Maybe you never shared this with your kids. That Jesus came from earth. He came from heaven. Came to earth. Did what? Died on the cross for our sins. On the third day, he what? Rose from the dead. Went back to heaven. And guess what we should try to do? Recover and pursue. We always try to follow that. That's what it is. Why? We obey our parents because it's what the Lord wants. And here's the thing, guys. There's sometimes <clears throat> when parents don't follow God's design. How do I know this? Because I'm one of those parents. Wish I could say I did this perfectly as a pastor, as a follower of Christ, as a dad, but I don't. I just don't, Father. But guess what? I know where to find perfection, and that's in Christ Himself. I lean on Him. I lean on His grace towards me, I lean on His word to show me my faults. And I also have a I also have a great teammate, Elizabeth, to help me show me my faults because I miss them sometimes. Because, again, an only child the a great thing. And everybody always told me you don't act like an only child. I don't know what that is, but I was an only child. So there's things I don't know, <laughs> okay? But here's the thing. I don't know it, but I know God does know it, okay? I know his word is, is applicable for my life. And you can, tell my, you can ask my boys, I always tell them, like, point to Jesus, he'll never fail you. Sometimes I will. But how should we, even when we disagree with our parents, how should we do it? We should do it respectfully. Because sometimes they'll be wrong. It's just don't be mean to them. But here's a here's, here's the humbling thing. You have to apologize to your kids when you do something wrong. It's humbling as a dad. Because I don't want to do that. But I do it sometimes. So raising kids requires obedience, right? But also, look at your outline. Also, raising kingdom kids requires perspective. Look there at the second verse. Honor your father and mother because this is the first commandment with a promise. So why don't we honor them? Because the, if you go back to the commandments, Paul's reverting straight back to the Ten Commandments. We just went through the book of Exodus. We know all about those. Right? Why? Because it's a good place to start. <laughs> they view life through that. They still have value. They still matter. That's why this book structured like that. Because here it is, guys, obeying, and we talked about first, is an action, but honor is our attitude. Think about things that you honor, you give time to, especially here in the South right now. It's college football time and high school football time. Shout out Cougars, been playing well. Think about it. Like yesterday was a great day. I'm a Florida State fan. We won and Florida lost. And guess what for you guys? Georgia won and Florida lost. That's a good thing. God gets honor in that when Florida loses, I promise. Not really, but that's, that's yeah. So, anyway. <laughs> but here's the thing. Honor is an attitude. It's something you have to go around. Obeying is an action. People can see. But honor is something, like I told, you, like I told the kids earlier today in Sunday school. Like, you obey your parents because your parents will tell you to clean your room. But if you honor them, you just go ahead and clean your room without them ever asking you to do it. Right? Make them understand practically what it looks like. Because honor is just something... So it's a lifestyle to live. Right? Humility, honor, something you should give. Because honoring your father and mother is a lifetime commitment. Just to just end. How do we know this? First Timothy five says this five four But if a widow has children or grandchildren, these should learn, first of all, to put all their religion into practice by caring for their own family and so repaying their parents and grandparents, for this is pleasing to God. So let me ask you, where do you show honor? How do you show honor? We need to be aware we're supposed to be doing this. Why? Because it's it's your perspective. God's given you this perspective to see who he is through your own family. The good, the bad, and the ugly. But what are we doing with it? We have to learn from mistakes. But we also know that there's no mistakes in here. Lean on this and lean on prayer life. Here's another thing about perspective, guys. This is something I think parents... Well, mothers and fathers sometimes and parents and kids, lots of times it's just bad communication. And it leaves stuff up to just doesn't go, go well, right? Because if you didn't know, men and women think differently and kids and parents think differently. But communication is just bad sometimes. Bob Kellerman says this in his book on parenting, which is right back here for you guys to have. Parents must learn to bridge the gap between the parent-child communication gap so, that we learn how to convey the shepherding love that we have in our hearts in a way that touches our children's hearts. Because, as a parent, I know, I know a lot of you guys, that's what you want. But if, if the way they perceive it is not what you want, it's still, they're not going to receive it. Does that make sense? So, we have to understand how to get in there, to have these hard conversations, to show that what we only want to do is to shepherd the love in their own hearts in a way that touches our child's hearts. And we do that through the gospel. Because here it is, guys, parents. If we don't do this well, they'll get all their perspective from the world around them. And the world around them is ready to consume them right now. If you guys don't know, and some teenagers even know, I know some parents know, they are consumed with their cell phones and social media. Matters more than almost anything else. It does. I, I've, it, it's going to be the scourge of our that, Technology is a good thing in lots of ways, but some things it's just not. Parents, you need filters and parameters on cell phones and social media platforms right now. Because I promise you, that, that you have to have that. Because what is our main goal in parents? I don't know how many times in a day I have to say the word be careful. It's probably more than you can even realize to my kids. I mean, this, that much. Be careful, slow down. Be careful, slow. I mean, it's so much. It's like program. But why It's the same thing here? Like, because i want to protect my kids. and am going to protect them from the world of social media and cell phones. Because what does it do? Unintentionally, sometimes they get to places they don't want to go. But also, it's just such a false reality. Guys, like, Instagram, Facebook, they have all these parameters where they just feed you stuff that you want and need. Right? And they, sh- they warp who you are. They don't, you don't even know it. Why? Because this is where they get information from. They don't get it from here. They get it from that cell phone. And did you even know that Mark Zuckerberg who owns Facebook and now owns Instagram knows this, but he refuses to change it. Why? Because it makes money for him. He knows it's terrible for social imaging for teenagers. But, he, 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 but here's the thing. He chooses to look away. He says they could just go off of it. Why? Because it's almost like a dopamine shot for the brain to get likes and get value from his platforms for kids. But here's the thing. Value and honor shouldn't be found there. It's just a lie to you and of the world. Because if you're in Christ and you're defined by Him and His creation, teenagers or who else is consumed by it, you get defined by His word and His design, not by some man made facade that causes you to feel a certain way. We have to be careful with our feelings and emotions that come from just that kind of stuff. We have to be careful. Why? Because you can only be made whole in Christ when you repent of your sins and trust in His finished work on the cross. And then guess what you do? You get to follow your, His ways. Let those define your world, not the ideas on the social media platform. Guys, this is a real thing that's happening right now around us. We need to be aware as parents, as grandparents, as whoever. The next point there. Raising kingdom kids requires responsibility. Why? Because don't neglect your responsibility on earth to honor your father and mother kids always. And... Father and mother, don't reject your responsibility to do what? To pour into your kids, to be there. And here's the thing. I I know this for a fact. Sometimes your parents can and will fail you, and maybe you can be scarred from it. But there's no way anywhere you can find where it says just disparage them. Because here's the fact, guys. I lost my dad in 2012. I still miss him to this day. He did the best by me as he could. He prepared me for ministry in ways I never saw fit, and he never saw fit. Because he wasn't even on the radar at the time. I don't fault him for that. Why? Because God still, it turned out okay. Praise God. Thanks, Mom. It turned out okay. Because here, here <laughs> we've heard this saying before. And God tells us it'll go well if we honor him. What? If Mama ain't happy, ain't nobody happy, right? But, I think here's a better one, Ray. If you don't want no drama, you better honor your mama. So, mama, I'm trying to do that. Because here it is, guys. As simple as it Take your responsibility God's given you, because life is just better when you seek God's design and honor your parents and your family He's entrusted you with. Let's get this right. Why? Because look at the promise that follows honoring your father and mother. That it may go well and live with you long in the land, the text says. But here's, here's another thing. We all know somebody that probably died young that was a saint to their parents. What I can say is their obedience to Christ, honoring, they're living forever in a place with Christ right now. It's perfect. It's not like what we are. So God still honors His promise, but it still doesn't mean we don't we're not we not we should not be responsible. All right, and the last one there. Raising kingdom kids requires fathers. What's it say there in the text? Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. So Paul changes responsibility here. He talked, if you go back to Ephesians 5, he talks more about the woman's role, what it looks like, and now he's talking directly to fathers here in this last verse. Why? Because I think it matters that much. Uh, Colossians 3.21, again, mirrors this. It says, fathers, do not provoke your children, lest they become discouraged. How do we make sure our children don't become more discouraged? Stay in the game, fathers. Be there. Be present. Be there. Be aware. Why? Because there was a study done, 63% of dads know they don't spend enough time at home. And if you look, I mean, again, it's not to disparage you, but you just need to be aware. Provider is great. Don't get me wrong, but God's called you to so much more. Because dads, get in the game and play your role. Women can't bear all the burden of leadership in the home. And you should provide some. Yes, if what you're providing doesn't show the ones you lead and love the gospel on display, I think you should change what you're providing and see God's design for fatherhood. Change it up sometimes. Change it up some way. What should we do? We should love our wife well. Love your kids. Let the flourishing that comes from you being what God designed you to be is evident in the home which you lead and you love. And again, what I've learned at almost 39 is being a dad is very a, a very complex situation. Why? Because my first call to my bride, Elizabeth, my kids, and then to my church. And sometimes those get out of order. And sometimes my wife's very apparent and calls me out on those, which is great. It's what she's supposed to do. But here there's an order the way things go. There's a role I'm supposed to play. That doesn't mean it's hard. It means it's hard. So what does it mean as a dad? I need to mean what I say. What does that mean? That means you have to discipline sometimes. (laughs) And we get the idea of discipline straight from God. We're going to talk about that in a second. But you have to make them understand why you discipline them. Because what's it say there? Don't provoke them. I have to say, sometimes kids try to provoke you. I don't know where they got that from. It's because they're disobedient. And how I react to that, it shows truly where I'm at. Sometimes I don't, sometimes I, I can say I don't always act like I should. Because I struggle with my role sometimes, and I'm supposed to know my role. But guess what, I lean on Christ. And He makes me aware of that. And I can tell them to always lean on Christ. Because here's the thing, I'm not, I'm not one that de-escalates much things when I should. I just press through and steamroll it. And that's not the best Best thing either, because my bride and I—we, we, we, my bride and I—she's so graceful and kind, and I'm more rigid. I think she should be more rigid. She thinks I should be more kind. I think I should be more kind, and I think she should be more rigid. But God's inherent God design inherently knows us how to, how to discipline, and I think Hebrews outlines it because here it is. I'm gonna. Read this before I go into it. Because if I sometimes I discipline in anger. I don't know if that's ever happened to you. Sometimes it's manipulative as well. To get what I want. The reaction I want. But when I do that, it's apparent to them that it was not God's design. It was mine. And it's very humbling to have your kid call you out on something. But it's happened. What even makes it more apparent is when they write. But here it is, guys. We also have to be prepared to discipline at all times. Why? Because it could be walking away from the grocery store when you go down the cereal aisle and that doesn't go well. Or it could be one kid staying back in the car when a kid's having issues. It's exhausting, but being consistent is the key to showing them who God is. And kids, guess what? Test your consistency constantly. Test your boundaries constantly. But also, discipline should be appropriate. So never threaten with a penalty that you can't follow through with. Because here it is, fathers, if you're not spiritually, emotionally there for your kids, someone else will be. And the world will swallow them up. It's definitely not all their fault that you didn't provide what God has called you to. It's not your fault, but it's definitely your responsibility. So, God, why as dads and fathers should we obey and pursue Christ so our kids can see the Lord in us? Honestly, is there anything in your life right now that your kids can say, that's all about Jesus? What does Hebrews tell us? Hebrews 12, verses 6 through 11. Maybe you've heard it, maybe you haven't. It's telling for what discipline looks like. Hebrews 12, 6 through 11. It says this, for the Lord... Discipline is the one he loves and chastises every son whom he receives. It is for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? If you are left without discipline in which all have participated, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. Besides this, we have earthly fathers who discipline us and we respected them. Shall we not much more be subject to the father of spirits and live? Verse 10 there, For they disciplined us for a short time, as it seemed best to them. But he disciplines us for our good, that we may share his holiness. For the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, but later yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. God gives us the outline. And here it is, Doug Farrington puts it this way, The motive for discipline is love, not control. And the goal for discipleship should be righteousness, not bitterness. So look at the text there. What? Verse 10. He disciplines us why that we get for our good and that we may share in His holiness. Because God, there's a reason. God is trying to make you more holy. Ain't that amazing? As dirty as we are, He still wants us to be made holy in His image. That's what He's trying for us to do. That's what the Christian life looks like. Stay in the game. Because God's motive discipline is what? To get us to know Him more. What about your mode of discipline, parents? Dads? What's your mode? If you do this well, the kingdom of God will reap the benefits. Always point to God, but don't do anything contrary to his design while doing it. What else are we supposed to do? Proverbs twenty-two fifteen tells us what? Folly is bound up in the heart of a child, but the rod of discipline drives it far from him. A rod here. A rod in the Hebrew means a rod. A rod in our context means a switch. (laughs) I don't know how many of you guys know that. I know what a switch is. And I deserved every lick I got from one, and the ones I didn't that I got, uh, I deserved those too. But you have to be aware of why you're doing it and make the kids understand why they're doing it. Because there's consequences for actions no matter if you say you're sorry or not. Like I say, as I matured, I've deserved every spanking I got and many more. So what does all this discipline mean for us and how we raise kingdom kids? I think it means this. If you're going to be about this, to teach it, you better know it. So how do you know it? By coming and getting involved in a local church. Diving into a scripture. Have a healthy prayer life. Have healthy conversations with your kids. Not just surface level, a lot deeper than that. Also, if you're going to teach it, you better live it. Because this genera- my generation and this generation, they'll call out what they see. And they might, be, they might be wrong because they can't see the full picture, but they still call it out. That's not a bad thing, by the way. What does Psalm 119 tell us? It says, I have stored up your word in my heart that they might not sin against you. That's what we do. That's what we do. Romans 15, 4. For whatever was written in the former days was written for what? Our instruction. That through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. There's your hope. So what does this mean? I, I think it means this. I'm going back to Jimmy and Christian Scroggins. Uh, I met Jimmy when I was in seminary in like 2010. He just become pastor at First Baptist Church of West Palm Beach. In West Palm Beach. And we had some conversations with one of my mentors there at a, a restaurant. And he just asked him, hey, will not you come down here and help us? So... I went down, they had two campuses. Now it's called Family Church. Now they have 12 campuses. I could, see, I could see that even then when they just had two campuses. Just good leadership, good. But I got to know Jimmy's kids. Jimmy has eight kids. They're all, no, there's no twins. Him and his beautiful wife, Christian, have eight kids. And he's got six boys and two girls. And when I met Jimmy, I think his oldest was 15, almost fixing to drive James. And his youngest was two or three. So he has a pretty good broad spectrum there. He would be the youngest dad in the room with James and the oldest dad in the room with Caleb, okay? He's got a full spectrum of kids there, okay? And I got to know one of them really well. His name's Jeremiah. Jeremiah and I share the same birthday, but Jeremiah is very headstrong, and he also plays football at a small Baptist college out in Missouri. And, uh, but Jeremiah was getting ready to learn how to drive. And if you, you don't know Jeremiah, but if you knew him, it's crazy that he ever gave him a driver's license at all, but that's beside the story. And but I think he was almost eighteen before he got it, and he got it. And Jimmy says he Jeremiah came in the house one day and came upstairs, came right in, came straight upstairs, and said, "Dad, I got something to tell you." <laughs> those dreaded words. I got something to tell you. He said, "All right, Jeremiah, what is it?" He said, "Well, Dad, I was coming through the gate because in South Florida, everybody lives in a gated community. Even the trailer parks have gates, like they really do." Um, I was coming through the gate. You know, if you pull up to a gate in a gate community, it just comes up, and you just drive in. And I ran into the gate. And Jimmy's thinking, Jeremiah, how in the world did you run into the gate? I don't think you pull up to it, and it goes up. So I don't know, Dad, but I did it. I ran to the gate. So he says, they get back in the truck and drive up there. And by the time he gets there, the security guard, Barney Fife-like, is out there. And they're looking at the gate, just laid on the ground. And He's like, <laughs> Jimmy's thinking, like, how in the world, Jeremiah? And the security guard's just berating him about it. And he's like, look, look. Jimmy's like, look. It's not my fault. It's my son's fault. He said, you're right. It's not your fault, but it's your responsibility. Parents, it's our responsibility to point our kids towards Christ. Get in the game. Fathers, get in the game, and let's do that together. I'm going to point them towards you as as the pastor of students or whatever my pastor of families, but I need you to be right there beside me. Because you're the main disciple of your kids and I want to be right there beside you helping you. Okay? Because we should be teaching them his design and his word. Why? Because we have to get this right. The Spirit's worked on me as I study for this, because how much I don't know. But I know God does. Because here it is. This is a quote from Jimmy and Kristen's book to finish this off. Remember, the goal is heart transformation, not behavior modification. God has called us to be the ones who train our kids to know and follow him. That is why it's so important for us to remind ourselves that God's design for parenting is this. It's rooted in God's love. It's revealed through His wisdom. It's fueled by His Word. It's sustained as we put our hope in Him alone. So what does this mean for us? They finish it with this. Knowing, believing, and living out these principles will prepare prepare us for what what comes next. Managing our children's complexity and having a lifetime of crucial conversations that brings glory to God. So with that, I'm going to pray and close this time out. Dear Jesus, we're grateful for this time. We're grateful for your grace. God, I pray for all the parents and all the families here, God, that we will lean in to you. And as we lean into you, you show us who we are and show us where you are and how how you're nurturing our own family and how we can lead and love them better. God, I pray... For my own role in this, dear Jesus, we just come alongside each other, encouraged to push one another towards Jesus. God, I pray we obey these principles that you've given us, God. We understand our role, and we try to understand our role better for your glory and for your kingdom. God, no matter what comes our way, I pray for each and one of these teenagers that are here. I pray for their hearts, God. I pray you put people in their paths to help push them towards Jesus always, and always point them towards their parents, make them understand the responsibility that they have, God, and how it just brings you glory to see the family pushing back evil in the world and being what you designed to be, a little gospel community right there where you've put them. I pray you make much of you today, throughout the week, and throughout our lives, seeking your kingdom and your kingdom alone. I pray also in your name. Amen.